You are listening to the Seeking Wild Beauty podcast. My name is Harmony Nixon, and I'm a spiritual teacher and healer. And each week, I will be diving deep into topics about spiritual practices, embodied intuition, sacred creativity, conscious living, and the call of soul, all to help you unearth your deepest truth. So grab your journal and get cozy. Well, hey, friends. I know it's been a hot minute since I've been on here, but I'm excited to be back for this next season of the Seeking Wild Beauty podcast. So while I've been gone, I found the most amazing, thriving, creative community on Threads, which is a new social media app, platform connected to Instagram. And I have been so inspired connecting to all of these different creatives from around the world. I have listened to so much new music, looked at so many amazing pieces of photography and writing and poetry and storytelling. I've just seen so many different ways that people are creating and sharing their voices. So for this season, I decided to put out a call to that community on threads and find the poets that wanted to come on and share their voices and a little bit about their creative process. So that's what I did. So for like the next eight episodes or so, I have interviews with different poets that I met on threads and we got together to hear their pieces of poetry and their experience with the creative process and the muse and what that looks like for everyone. We have all different ages and all different genders, and it's just really cool to be able to see how unique the creative process is amongst everyone, but also how it's very similar. So I think we all can learn something, whether you're a poet or not, it can definitely, there's a lot of amazing advice here to help you stay in the flow, and I really hope you enjoy these different voices from the community. So go ahead and grab your journals and get cozy. Let's just go ahead and dive right into this interview. Hello, Ali. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Harmony. It's a, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm so excited. So how about you tell us a little bit about you first and who you are and what kind of poetry you write. Um, just a little bit about you. Okay. Um, my name is Ali. I'm a trans poet and parent. Um, I'm also a, a veteran and I'm also autistic. My, uh, my book, Paying for Guests with Quarters, some of the poems I'm reading today are from that. Um, it's, it's a journey through the parent's perspective, the, the quotidian of the parent, like the daily right routine of a parent and kind of interspersed with the, the daily trauma of the military, but also the trauma of the past. It's a, it's a collection about um, intergenerational trauma, right, about recognizing the wounds that we've been, that have been inflicted upon us. Um, but also at the same time, right, if we're acknowledging that we've been wounded, then we must acknowledge that that we're capable of passing on wounds. Um, so as a parent, right, thinking about the uh, the wounds that we pass on, so trying to to stop those those toxic cycles um, in, in a lot of different ways, right? Um, and it's also one about beginning to explore identity. Um, so for, for me, poetry generally is um, an approach or reveal of, of a truth, be it like small and personal or, or massive and universal, you know, and there are endless ways to, to do that, right? But to me, that's, that's always what, what a, a poem boils down to, is it in some ways a, a moment of truth in, 
in a, you know <laughs> endless endless ways. I was going to say you're breaking generational curses. That's really powerful, and it's like a really strong stance you're taking. You know, to be able to like write about this. That's amazing. You know, I, I started therapy very late in life, uh, and um, my uh, when my youngest was diagnosed, I self-diagnosed through that process. You know, I took all the tests over and over again that I could find, and I, you know, reading and, but then also just interacting with the therapist um, and and noting how similar uh, I was, and you know, trying to talk to my parents, but there's still a lot of like sometimes denial in that, um, yeah. and that comes through in, in some of the poems, right? This this idea that um, it's almost systemic right it's just like accepted this one way and everything else is, is pushing back against it what valuable lesson have you learned from your creative process in all of that so as far as creative process uh, being open to where the work wants to go right not not like if we're talking like fiction right i'm not talking about letting your characters take control right maybe letting them explore where they want to go and see if it, if it works right um but but having intention in everything that you're doing, right? So if you let the characters wander, right, it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the the final draft or whatever. It's just in some ways exploring the characters so you more fully understand them. But as the writer, you have to intentionally put um, images and poems and characters in specific places, you know, word choice. And um, so when it comes to my process, um, revision is is like the most important part right uh, often it's hard to get started right but but revising is where like all of the really good writing is done um mm -hmm. it's, it's where you're able to fully connect ideas right to flush out the metaphor to make sure that you're placing the reader in the poem in the moment right or in the scene um and and some of that right is is when it's generated a lot of that stays true to maybe what it was or what it was intended to be but the the revisions allow for it to be very intentional. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I also agree with you with the revision process. For a very long time, I didn't realize how much art comes in the revision process. I feel like our souls kind of, or at least in my opinion, like my soul just pours out onto the page and I just let it do what it does. And then I come back as the artist and I'm like, here, let's fix this and make it into something. And uh, it's been really interesting because a lot of times like in the process of writing itself, it can be overwhelming. And it's like, is this going to be something like what is happening? It's a hot mess. But sometimes yeah. in the revision process, it just, you know, shines. So that's cool. Yeah, and it can be exciting in the revision process when when one piece turns into two, right? <laughs> exactly. It's like, whoa, I got a lot out of this one. <laughs> so do you have a specific ritual or routine that helps you get in the creative flow? Um. I'm like a parent and a teacher and life in general is just chaotic, right? So I, I try to write everywhere I can. A big part of my process is writing on note cards is, is generally where I first write things. Um, so I always carry around note cards in my, 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 my backpack, my purse, everything. <laughs> They're scattered all over the house. But I'm also willing to write on anything, right? Temporary or not. You know. <laughs> receipts bills calendar it doesn't matter i if i you know it, I'm, I'm ready to, to write it down but I, that's why i try to have the note cards uh ready um and uh the just having the time and space it's not always i'm not always able to sit in the same place or for the same amount of time um a lot of times it's very early in the morning with with my kids you know i get up uh, before they do usually yeah. uh, so you know like five in the morning almost nobody's awake so it's it's very isolated and it's 
um, it's a good time to kind of dive into yourself and into your ideas. Uh, so there's there's a lot of silence there. So I guess any any time I can get silence and space. Yeah, that's like a perfect setting to tap into <laughs> the muse. <laughs> so what does the muse mean to you? Uh, so I think that maybe there are different types of muses, right? Um, there's there's that which just um, unexpectedly inspires, right? Um, and that can be a person, it can be an event, it can be an animal, it can be a you know a picturesque scene in nature, right? The the muse is you know the the fact that we're connected to everything in the universe, right, yeah. is kind of what I draw that from, right? So drawing on that the fact that you're connected to the entire universe in a multitudinous ways is, is one way to connect to the muse, right? Yeah. And that's those moments where it just kind of comes to you, right? Um, but you can also invoke the muse, right? Right. And and a lot of times it's done through like study, right? Through like as a writer, like studying would be reading and uh, and you can read for pleasure. You, you, you need to read for pleasure and read like with a, an eye for craft, right? You have to do both and both will inspire in different ways. Um, I found when I was in grad school, um, workshops um some of the times that i got the most inspiration to write was during other people's workshops mm -hmm. uh right so we'd we'd be discussing their poems and i'd make a comment about something they did and then i would have a lot of ideas and then i would you know just kind of zone out and write and yeah. uh, like you know i could try, i made sure to contribute but uh, like you know <laughs> then i you know i i let it run um and i think a lot of that is is rooted in in workshop um as a, as a teacher I, I teach students that they can get more out of workshopping other pieces other people's poems often than they can theirs because it, it helps you internalize it, uh consciously and subconsciously how to dissect and analyze your own work right with a, a little more distance um if you're able to do that to to like your peers feedback um yeah i'm currently in the workshop uh workshopping process as well because i'm getting my degree in creative writing and english <laughs> And so the workshopping process, I swear it has opened my eyes to be able to see things in a totally different way. And I completely agree with you. It's like, I get so much inspiration by helping other people, you know, doing mm -hmm. the critiques and stuff. It's amazing. So that is really cool that you do that. Yeah, so, I got my MFA at Oklahoma State in poetry. I'm, a, I'm an adjunct right now. So I teach composition and I actually got lucky and I'm teaching one, one class of creative writing right now as well. Oh, that's fun. How does that feel? Like, how does that fit in being a teacher and a poet? Because, you know, a poet is very, like, heart open and teacher is kind of like, you know, the grounded We're side of that. Reining it in, right? It's like form yeah. poetry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, uh, I think teaching is very generative. Um, you have to, and you know, because I'm teaching uh, composition, but I always got inspiration from classes I took as well, like history classes and stuff, right? Um, but I, I think teaching in the classroom in general is, is generative just because it's a, it's a space that's meant to access and open the mind, right? So if you're actively accessing, right, your, your thoughts and your creativity, it's, it's going to take off, right, at, at times. And there's going to, you're going to find those little muses that you, you maybe didn't realize existed. Um, and on the, the other side, as a, as a student, right, learning, it's doing the same thing, right? You're, you're accessing and opening in different ways, but it's, it's, to me, it's very, you know, you're approaching the same thing from two ends of the tunnel. Yeah, I love that. So what does your poetry mean to you and how does it connect to humanity as a whole? Often they feel like confessions, right? 
equally the ones that are rooted in in experience and, and those that are not right they, they they feel like a piece of you right that's going out into the world um even if it's like a a character or a villain or something you crafted right it feels like a, a part of you a piece of you and um and you hope that it finds the people that it needs uh it takes a long time to get to get over that idea that that you want everyone to like your work right there's actually people you want to, to despise your work probably so just being able to to put it out there for those that need to connect with it yeah what do you find is the power in poetry like what has it done for you personally by writing and reading and creating i think uh it's cathartic for one it's uh it's it's not necessarily therapy right but i like there how many how many therapists tell you to write about your feelings and your experience like they, they it's so it's it's prescribed right by the professionals um, <laughs> exactly so it's, it's it's a way to access for me um ideas and emotions that i might struggle to recognize otherwise um and and as an autistic person right like i i struggle a lot i still don't understand what it means when people say to feel your your feelings right like like in your body like that concept to me is so so abstract oh, interesting. Um, right like trying to to make those associations those just doing what like what metaphors do right like taking the unfamiliar and making it familiar to to everyone or to someone else yeah that's really beautiful do you want to share some of your work yeah um i'll start with um you mentioned you like auditory processing disorder so i'll start with this one okay. um this poem was was first published, I think, on uh, One Art Poetry. Auditory Processing Disorder. I listen closely, so my response sounds less like bullshit. I never know what I say until after someone else hears it. First, my speech mimics whomever speaks most in proximity to me. I look like I'm thinking. Mostly, I'm plotting a response to conversations had. I don't know what you said now i didn't hear you i said something of an echo i can sprinkle in and hypothesize layers of ideas undo the desire to be exclusive i don't want to be unique i want to be like everyone another one from from one art uh now i study metaphor spent three decades learning what words meant only to find people say one thing to mean another Still get confused about whether I am an expert on bugs or origins in elision. Cicada molts crack, turn to powder under wind. They scream not from shedding, it's the forgetting how to fly, the best way to thresh. So these are both poems about being neurodivergent, right? Um, and with, uh, with Now I Study Metaphor, right? Um, there, there's just so many in my experience um, people that confuse entomology and etymology, but there's also so many people that study bugs that write as well. Uh, so I liked playing with that. And then, um, right, like the trope of the cicada, trying to go a completely different direction with that, um, it not being about the rebirth cycle, right? Um, because the cicada is a, a very heavily used image and, and metaphor in writing, right? Um, so just showing how differently the every day can be looked at, right? Or the different ways in which something ordinary can be looked at. 
I love that. Do you want to read some more too? Okay. Um, I'll do Battle Buddy from, and, and this one is actually from my book, um, Paying for Gas with Quarters. And that's by Middle West Press. I guess I didn't say that earlier. Okay. Uh, Battle Buddy. I'm not a helicopter parent. I do contextualize everything through narration. I'm not sure I've introduced myself except through what I imagine my children would have to say. I'm no longer sure which thoughts are internal. My son keeps pulling the Iliad off the shelf. I've started reading random passages aloud to slow the emptying. I thought myself Achilles once until I discovered his rage. Now I know I am no demigod. Fear felt useful during deployment. Time was what we had too much of at home. I have an abundance of fear and no time to organize it. Sleep is when I'm meanest. The blood wipes out of the fridge, though the jelly is starting to seem permanent. I make my son a gluten-free PB&J. Every day, he doesn't wake up screaming any longer. The pandemic feels a lot like deployment. Invisible enemy, limited mobility, civilian casualties, racist excuses for violence. At least in Afghanistan, the oppression is out in the open. I can't yell around my 11-month-old, not at the TV, not at anyone, not about anything. I shouldn't yell. Now I can't. He always starts crying. Why didn't I feel bad before? He runs like I breathe to breathe, it seems. Jumping kickstarts his joy. He won't sit still. Won't is perhaps my perception, my need, not his. His sister wants her pants back. He's still flapping a leg in each hand. He wants, I want, I plan. He disarms me in the moment, drags me around the field twice. That one is beautiful. I remember reading that one when you sent it and I was like, that one hit me. Like you had a couple that had me teared up by the end. And I was like, oh my gosh, these are so just deep. Thank you, I appreciate that. Yes, this one is very much about recognizing the self in the child and all of the fears that come with that and um, playing with the image of helicopter parent as a veteran, right? And having different different layers of meaning there. Um, and then going back to the Iliad, which I, I mean, I love the Iliad and um, this, this collection actually took about 10 years to make. Um, and it was about 10 years after I got out of the army that it was finished. So there's a lot of like, don't want to say parallels, right? Because yeah. like, who wants to just throw their work up against the Iliad? But um, uh, <laughs> yeah. right. So, uh, but thinking of like, this, you know, this is written in couplets, um, and it's it's that that blending of the, the well, mostly couplets, right? There's a thought train, but um, the the blending of those two paths, right? Like the child and the parent, and the past and the present. So it just um, I like reading. to play, yeah, and. I, I like to play with form um, and I like it to echo, right? Whatever the poem is or the piece is. Um, let's see, what's next? So like when you're picking the form to choose, do you feel like, um, do you ever like go and seek out a form to be able to express? Like, do you ever have a feeling to where you're like, I know I'm going to need to express this and I'm going to have to use this form because I could just tell. Like, is that how that works for you or does it just happen? Well, so like if I was going to write about anything, anything near like obsession, I would start by writing Sestina, right? Because I think form is very generative in that it makes us 
engage with and think about language in a much different way. Yeah. So we don't write things in the way that we would expect even, right? So we get that that unique um, natural generation of language. Um, but it also, even, even if you despise what you produce doing that, it, it's generative in that, right? Like, okay, well, I know I'm going away from this because it, it didn't do what I wanted. It did, it did this. So what do I need to do to convey that? Um, and that, I, like, I don't just write Sestinas. Sestinas are obviously not like something you just churn out, <laughs> but that's that, like, right. But thinking about something like, yeah, if I was going to do something that was obsessive, I would start in a form like that or a villanelle or something, right. That's, that's very much heavy handed with its repetition and it's, um natural obsession in a way right mm -hmm. um i like doing concrete poems sometimes um but yeah so, sometimes I, I start with form um i don't i don't i don't know that i sit and contemplate like all right i'm writing about this which form should it go in um that often i think i, I that would more be like a second draft for me um but sometimes i start i start with the form I, it's more rare but it does happen there's so many different facets to the creative process. It's really amazing to hear everyone's individual process. Yeah, they're all, yeah, there's so many different ways. And I think that's right with like reading poetry, right? Sometimes you connect with something that you didn't expect to and you learn something in that way. Um, so it's always good to keep, to keep researching, keep reading, right? Cause you're, uh, you're growing your, your language base and your idea base. And you're, even if you're not like, recognizing the technical aspects like consciously um you, you're noting right what's happening and you can generally reproduce it a little a little bit better um when i teach uh I, I've, I've taught a veterans workshop um and i try to teach meter by um comparing it to like cadence and having having participants right like just replace words in a cadence right to demonstrate kind of different ways that you can generate meter and language that, that fits into those tight little spaces like that when you have those restrictions um i can read another one uh this one is um i mighty mode every major decision deja vu is not meant for me intertwined reality repeating what has not happened iterations of ideas so perfect though they must have occurred before. This cannot be the first time. We must always remain in the midst, embracing either extreme and how their ends weave. If I had chosen another toe, perhaps I'd be living coastally, still soaking, still seeping, drinking and not yet weeping. Never made it out onto or into the ocean. It's not the sharks, it's the vastness, the endless liminal swaying the pitch the fear of turning around and suddenly singing and this is a, a lyric poem right so it's not grounded in, in narrative it's more about the 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 sonic quality taking you from one image to the next and creating a feeling right so mm -hmm. um i do i do write a whole bunch of different poems i have a lot that are very narrative driven but um um when, if, if I think about how you said, do I sometimes start with form, right? Sometimes I'll be like, okay, I need to write like a lyric poem um, or I need to leave this element out. And I've seen prompts where like, you're not allowed to use certain words, right? Stuff like that is, yeah. is always super generative. Um, and this one, right, is about um, regret in, in a lot of ways and being indecisive and, yeah. and, and just kind of being stuck in that, in that past contemplation.
think many people can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> what would your um, advice be to um, poets who are listening, like for just like the writing process? Just for the writing process? Mm -hmm. um, when when you get writing, don't stop, right? Just let it all out. It can be hard to to not to to not stop and revise as you go, right? But the the more you stop and revise as you're brainstorming or unleashing, right? The more you're letting go. Um, and the ideas don't always have to make sense. Like you should write stuff sometimes that upon your first reread, you're like, I, what? Uh, but, <laughs> I had that all the time. Uh, oftentimes there's something much deeper there or a bit or a piece of it that is the core of what you're trying to write. Um, and you have to just get all of that stuff out of the way. Um, just like the, you know, the, the cliche of the marathon, right? Like you have to push through that invisible wall. And um, when it comes to like writer's block, um, that can be taken different ways, right? Like, oh, I can't think of anything to write um or i'm stuck on this one idea right if you're stuck on one idea then you know pivot and write about something completely unrelated different genre you know different subject something like that different theme right the antithesis uh whatever uh but if you can't if you if you feel like i can't write anything then it's often helpful to do um like writing prompts or set writing time where you have to write for a certain amount of time right and you're just writing stuff that you're gonna throw away or put in like your boneyard right maybe you don't immediately throw it away just in case but it can it can also be very freeing to just throw stuff away it was really difficult to do but um you know accidentally having thrown away dozens of poems before right it's like okay well how would i say that again what were the lines because you you'll remember the the lines and the line breaks and the images that 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 were the core of it for the most part but yeah yeah so if, if you're writing to just keep writing and to write for yourself because if you're writing for someone else, then it's going to come through um, all at once or eventually, right? And it's it, it might have some truth, right, as, a, as an echo, but that will dissipate and what you get from it will, will dissipate as well. Yeah. Well, that's really good advice. I really love that. Did you have another piece you would like to share before we close up? Yeah, and it's a, it's a short one. It's a, I Know Sisyphus. This is in my book and it was also in uh, Press Pause. I know Sisyphus. You've got it all wrong. I don't know whether they love their stone or rolling it more. Their stone or rolling it more. They love whether I don't. No, you've got it all wrong. I know the roll of Sisyphus's stone. I know the song it squeezes from the hillside. That one is really beautiful. It has a very, I wish people could see what I'm doing right now, but it feels like this. <laughs> it feels like a flu. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your sweet voice and your poetry and your advice. Is there any last things that you would like to say to anyone listening right now? You're a better writer than you've been led to believe. So just just keep writing them. And I don't, I, you know, that's for everyone. That's, that's also something I, I try to ground my pedagogy in. That, that we've all kind of been misled. Uh, writing is communicating and, and there's, there's not really a well, that's Thank beautiful. you so much for having me, Harmony. You're welcome. And everyone can find your links to your book and all of your things below. So in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to book a healing session or mentor with me, you can go to my website at seekingwildbeauty.com. You can connect with me on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Seeking Wild Beauty. 
If you want to support this podcast and join a community of magical women on the healing path, go to patreon.com forward slash seeking wild beauty. Here you can receive the support on your self-healing journey and become a part of the Story Weaver Circle that I host online every full moon, where we reweave the stories of our lives, letting go of all the old, embracing the new. I'll connect with you soon. I hope you have a lovely week.